Hi everyone, Jay Doherty here from the Jay Doherty Podcast. Today we're broadcasting live. We're going to continue talking about Roger Stone's associate and uh, the relation with him and the Mueller office. We'll talk about how Netflix is now worth tons of money. We'll also get to climate change and we'll get a check on the stock marks to see how they closed up yesterday on Friday. As all coming up next on episode 47 of the Jay Doherty Podcast. And now, broadcasting live from downtown Chicago, here's your host, Jay Doherty. Hello, everyone. It is uh, Saturday, November, you know, Saturday, November 24th, 2018 at 11.27 a.m. There's a lot to uh, talk about. Um, no, n- nothing new, no new news uh, as of today, but uh, certainly room for analysis for what happened a lot that happened over the week, particularly within the last two days. Uh, Roger Stone, the WikiLeaks, and the Russian election interference with his associate, Jerome, Dr. Jerome Corsi. That was figured out. We talked about that yesterday. If you want to listen to that, we'll have it linked in the show notes so you can take a look at that type of stuff. But um, I've done some research uh, about this whole... Um, Roger Stone deal. Um, they there was a statement that was released specifically to CNN about something, uh, which was actually kind of interesting because historically Roger Stone has hated CNN, and they uh, talked about some stuff, um, and we'll get to that in a second uh, with Jerome Corsi and everything. But um, let's get to the first thing of the day. As, as you may know, um, or as you may have noticed, if you've been listening to some of the very uh, er, uh, recent episodes, I kind of open up with something very, very light or something that's kind of interesting, fun fact. Uh, yesterday was about Michelle Obama's book. Um, today it's going to be about Netflix. So Netflix, wow, they, um, and this seems to be out of, in this, I believe it's uh, as of today, um, they are now worth more than Disney. They also uh, surpassed Comcast before overtaking the the worth of Disney, and now uh, Netflix is valued approximately at 160 billion dollars. So they are still behind a couple of uh, media giants, um, of course, that do far more than Netflix, such as uh, AT&T and Verizon and other cell phone carrier companies. Uh, specifically, AT&T, I point out, because, you know, they own many external services, such as DirecTV and um, other, and, of course, they provide um, cellular, cellular service for people, um, which is very, um, you know, which would boost their value of entertainment, which is why... Um, why they are not, or why Netflix is not worth more, um, so, you know, that, that is why, I'm actually, I'm not sure exactly how much, I'm, I'm curious to know, because AT&T is kind of the OG in terms of, uh, providing telephone lines and, and, you know, helping with, uh, basically the, um, over, they're, they're, they're kind of like the dominance in the market of providing, um, you know, telephone service, cellular service, uh, I mean, a lot of people use DirecTV, which is their, um, cable service, even though that's kind of going down the drain, which is why Netflix is now so popular, so it's kind of like a subsequent effect that happens within the market and everything, um, 
Uh, but I, I am trying to figure out exactly how much um, AT&T is worth uh, here, but uh, that, I don't know if that's exactly relevant. All I know is that they, um, the two big companies that they are not, they, that Netflix has not caught up to yet are, um, or caught up to, excuse me, um, are uh, AT&T and Verizon, uh, but they have surpassed Comcast, they have uh, surpassed... Um, uh, I, I, there, there's perhaps a lot of other things that people, that a lot of people, um, you know, were not expecting, and here I found that, uh, Verizon, AT&T, um, are around $200 billion, so, you know, Netflix only needs to, you know, generate another $40 billion, and they should be all good, uh, to surpass, or to at least tie them, um, in, in, in there, but, um, what's interesting, though, is that AT&T, the stock of AT&T, the, the prices for a consumer to buy stock, will rise, well, probably will rise, predict, I mean, people are predicting that it will rise, um, after, or if it, um, acquires, you know, Time Warner, that has been something that has been talked about for quite some time now, I believe over a year, yeah, the president has even talked, I believe, commented about that on Twitter and stuff like that, and if you don't know, uh, Time Warner owns, you know, CNN, HBO, and all, the, and HLN, and, you know, all, all these other news networks, um, and it's, you know, of course, uh, to, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a big media giant, um, Time Warner, and they're basically, you know, the over, the overseer in all this, uh, you know, the CNN studios are in, um, the Time Warner building in New York, uh, in Washington, or, yeah, I believe in Washington as well, um, but, yeah, so that's, that's where, um, that's where everything's happening, uh, and, you know, Ted Turner, of course, oversaw all of that, um, but let's talk about Netflix, yeah, because it's, the story's really about Netflix, it's not about AT&T and Verizon, it's about Netflix, they've added millions of subscribers, uh, more predominantly within the last few years, um, but I remember back, uh, about, like, six years ago, uh, I would watch podcast episodes, I would wa or just YouTube videos, and I would see this little startup called Netflix, and it was on all the YouTube ads, it was on every, it was on, it, I saw it everywhere, and there was these ads, and it was like, okay, this seems like a very good idea, they were super, super small at the time, I mean, relative to what they are now, I think they had like, you know, 27,000 subscribers, which is a great amount, especially if each of them was paying, you know, $10 a month, but now they have millions and millions of subscribers, um, for, you know, that, that subscribe directly to Netflix, um, so, you know, they've, they've really come a long way, even if you look at, um, I don't know if you know Leo Laporte, he's a, uh, he, he, um, broadcasts on the network Twit, uh, this week in tech, uh, for a podcast, which is, of course, a giant in the whole podcast and radio business, um, but back in 2012 and years around that time, they would, uh, put ads out for Netflix, and I thought that was really interesting because it shows, like, you know, like, networks like This Week in Tech um, historically have kind of provided, from what I've seen, at least just watching reruns, um, for kind of relatively large companies that are, you know, uh, stable enough to provide advertisements on a relatively large network that want to grow, and Netflix did exactly that, so it's kind of interesting historically to look at how, um, 
advertising has helped them, but also just the, you know, social media campaign of uh, Netflix and, you know, everyone talking about Netflix this and Netflix that and, you know, how Netflix is more predominantly used in, you know, in, in the case of, you know, everyday talk as opposed to Hulu uh, and all those places, at least from what I've acquired. So, um, you know, it's very, very interesting. Um but, you know, as of now, I'm looking right here at this market report, uh, Netflix has $117.6 million with the company, uh, I mean, $117.6 million subscribers, and the company is worth $160 billion, just around uh, that at the moment, um, and, you know, they spend a lot of money, a lot, a lot of money, I, I mean, they are not profitable um, for the last time I checked. Um, whatsoever, but, um, you know, they're really, they're, they, they really put tons of money into their original series, paying the actors, buying the sets, doing all this stuff, they really, really want to just keep growing and growing and growing, and of course, with just the market and how it shifts and how, you know, existence kind of manipulates itself, um, we'll see if there's a stopping point for that or if it stays, but right now, I think Netflix is a great company and they're going to um, kind of strive and, and dominate this market. Not to say that there's competitors like Hulu and Amazon uh, Instant Video, Amazon Prime Video. Those are certainly things that they have to watch out for because, um, you know, they, they do very similar things. It just, in my opinion, and on a timeline, Netflix was there first. They dominated this field before Amazon and before uh, Hulu, at least, from what I've seen, and they really knew what they were doing from the beginning, which has kind of helped them, um, and of course, there's been tons of rebranding as money goes in and other things like that, but it'll be interesting to see. Alright, so we are at the 10-minute mark of the podcast. Let's, uh, talk about the, um, uh, let's talk about Roger Stone. He says that he expects, the associate of Roger Stone, uh, says he expects to be indicted by... Robert Mueller, the special counsel. So, let's take a look at exactly what happened here. So, most of the actual dates and the occurrences that happened uh, were in 2016. So, um, in the month of August, predominantly, and then it kind of carries on. The month of September didn't really happen in 2016 for politics. It was really October and November uh, with WikiLeaks and Roger Stone. So, uh, and on August 4, 2016, Roger Stone um, emailed... Uh, his associate, um, saying that he, um, he, he had dinner, I believe, or he had some sort of social gathering with, uh, Julian Assange, uh, with, you know, who, of course, is WikiLeaks, uh, who works for WikiLeaks, I believe, is the founder, one of the predominant operation, uh, leaders there at, uh, WikiLeaks. A day later, on August 5th, Roger Stone said the um, Romanian hacker, who, of course, as you may know or remember, was uh, Guccifer 2.0, was not the Russian government, and they were responsible for the DNC attack. Then three days later, in a speech, Roger Stone said that he communicated with Assange and then he believed that the leak will be about the Clinton Foundation and the supposed corruptness of the Clinton Foundation. Uh, and then, two day, and then um, uh, let's see here, uh, six days later... Uh, over the course of two days, from August 14th to 16th, Roger Stone exchanged uh, d um, direct messages 
with the Guccifer 2.0 account. Remember, if you don't know who Roger Stone is, he is a conspiracy theorist and a political consultant, basically, and his associate, uh, who in this case is Jerome Corsi, who we talked about on the previous episode, is a conservative political um, conspiracy theorist who talks uh, predominantly on the conservative side and formed a relationship over Trump uh, over the lack of belief that Barack Obama was born in this country, if you don't know. But yeah, that, that just to give you some context, I should have said that in the beginning, but whatever. Um, then... Five days later, on August 21st, uh, on Twitter, Roger Stone uh, publicly alludes to um, upcoming trouble for the Clinton campaign uh, uh, chair at the time, who, of course, was John Podesta, someone who was widely looked upon at that time. And that was uh, quite some time later, um, uh, on August 21st. And then there was a big skip jump uh, over, uh, as I said before, the month of September didn't really happen in politics uh, in 2016. Um, so uh, on October 2nd, 2018, or 2016, excuse me, uh, Roger Stone said that WikiLeaks um, is going to drop the mother load and it'll be bad news for Hillary Clinton and the Clinton family, the Clinton Foundation, and pretty much everything having to do with the cultural elitism that surrounds the family of Hillary and Bill Clinton. All right. Then, three days later, on October 5th, Roger Stone said that there is a quote-unquote payload coming from Julian Assange and from WikiLeaks, which are subsequently the same people, basically. Two days later, WikiLeaks then released the first batch of the hacked emails from John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chair. And then, um, uh, in Miami, on October 12th, he was he, Roger Stone had an interview with CBS, a uh, private local station. CBS 4 was the channel. He says that he... Uh, this is what he told CBS. He said that he has back-channel communications with Julian Assange. Now, if you don't know, again, for context, Roger Stone uh, pro- predominantly, uh, you know, appears on incredibly conservative far-right talk shows. Um, I believe he's had communications with Breitbart. He's frequently on, um, uh, on, um, uh, Infowars with Alex Jones. Sorry, <laughs> for some reason I couldn't think, uh, of the name. But, um, there's a lot of, uh, interesting things and, um, you know, uh, things that are happening right now in relation to Roger Stone. Now, what's something even more interesting is that this guy, Jerome Corsi, who has a relatively large, um, large fan base on YouTube, he has about 43,000 subscribers, which is not that bad for, um, the supposed lunatic that he seems to be. I mean, I don't, I don't want to comment on anything, but that seems to be what's happening. But anyway, um, Jerome Corsi said this Monday, this this week Monday, before this whole story kind of was made publicly and taken serious, that he expected to be indicted by uh, Robert Mueller um, for, and this is from his talk show, he said, for giving false information to the special counsel or to one of the members of the grand, or one of the other uh, grand jury, which is very, very interesting. Now, he has... Um, a YouTube channel, I'll link it in the description, it's, it's just called Jerome Corsi, um, and, uh, he has this intro here, let's take a look, he's a PhD, he is a doctor, uh, let's see what this says, it says, Jerome Corsi decoding the future. Hi, this is Jerome Corsi, it's, um, Monday, it's, uh, November 12th, day after Veterans Day, and, uh, I've got a pretty eventful show today, um, we're going to uh, discuss... A number of things, including um, 
uh, the Mueller investigation and my status with the Mueller investigation. The wait until we get a, a few more people joining. I'm not going to uh, wait too terribly long getting into this, but I will wait. Okay, so that is basically the, the style of the show, and again, we'll have it linked in the description. The title of the show and the title of that episode was Current Events Livestream on Monday, November 12, 2018, Dr. Uh, Jerome Corsi hosting. So that's kind of the timeline, that's what happened uh, with this whole existence of the feud and the ongoing investigation with Russia having it to do with uh, Roger Stone and subsequently Jerome Corsi. Um, and actually, Jerome Corsi, now that I see him and have done some more research, I mean, at least relative to Roger Stone, he seems to be a little bit more sane, uh, at least relative to Roger Stone, of course. Uh, you know, I mean, his ideas are, of course, kind of strange uh, and pretty baseless in terms of evidence, but, um, you know, definitely very interesting um, and everything. Now, there's a very interesting commentary by a guy named uh, Paul Callen, who's, who uh, is a homicide prosecutor uh, in New York, or at least a former one. Um, he was uh, did an interview on um, a certain news network, CNN. Uh, sorry for that. Oh, jeez, my mic. See, I said I was going to get this fixed. I am working on getting it fixed, uh, but it's just not happening yet. Anyway, let's see what this guy, this, this um, Paul Callen... Okay, see, I can't move my... Okay, I apologize for the constant mic crackling. I might have to cut this out, and uh, I apologize for the 26 people who are watching on the live stream right now uh, for the mic crackling. But anyway, let's uh, take a look here. Uh, at what Paul Callen, a former New York prosecutor, had to say on the issue with uh, Roger Stone's associate, of course, uh, Jerome Corsi, and his plea with Mueller. To the Mueller investigators, uh, he's, you know, uh, making this very detailed public statement to try to distance himself and also to say that Corsi is under tremendous pressure. Well, how would Stone know that unless he's had discussions with Corsi about this very subject? And um, you can be sure that the Mueller lawyers are going to be asking Corsi about what discussions he's had with Roger Stone. Uh, uh, it's always dangerous when two people who are being looked at by investigators are sitting down with one another uh, to, let's say, discuss the facts of the case. A lot of times uh, prosecutors describe that as getting their stories straight. Mm -hmm. So we'll have to see how the Mueller team handles it. Yeah, so that's that's basically what he said. And I think it's always important to have kind of an analyst view and an expert view on that. Um, and by the way, the story uh, that, that he was, or the, the comment, at least, that he was referring to, talking about, um, you know, uh, 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 Jerome Corsi being under pressure, that was a statement that was earlier in the broadcast that was talked about, and I have that clip as well, where, uh, Brooke Baldwin, the host of CNN on, on this particular newsroom show, uh, they apparently received a breaking news update from Roger Stone, uh, this is a direct statement towards them, and then I'll play that just for you, this was happened earlier in the broadcast, and, uh, Mr. Um, Callan's analysis came following this uh, update. A statement in from Roger Stone as we've been talking. So let me just read this for you, Paul Callan. This is what Roger Stone says. As one can see from his recent videos and his recent interviews, my friend, Dr. Corsi, has been under a tremendous amount of pressure and it is beginning to affect him profoundly. He has stated publicly that he is being asked over and over to say things he simply does not believe occurred. I am not aware of any plea talks involving Dr. Corsi. He is an investigative journalist whose activities I would think would largely be covered under the First Amendment. He is relentless in his research and his network of sources is very wide. 
As for what he may have known and when he may have known it, his discussions with me regarding the Podesta brothers were strictly limited to their overseas business interests unearthed in the Panama Papers and other public sources that were writing about John and Tony's activities. To my best recollection, there was not one publication, mainstream or otherwise, that ever mentioned John Podesta's email prior to their posting by WikiLeaks. As I told the Washington Post, if Dr. Corsi knew that John Podesta's emails had been obtained by anyone and would be published, he never shared this information with me, nor did he give me any such documents. So, by the way, uh, as I talked about on yesterday's episode, this story about Roger Stone and Jerome Corsi uh, was broken by a reporter of the Washington Post, which is why uh, Mr. Stone references them uh, so heavily in, in everything within his, uh, um, you know, in his statement. All right, that's basically the story. Nothing will probably happen over the weekend in terms of this story, uh, so... Uh, yeah, that that's basically it. That's basically what's happening right now. Uh, let's talk, though, about this huge uh, climate report, the climate assessment, to be more specific, that just came out uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, actually, yesterday, on Friday. Um, apparently now, according to this assessment, that glo- now global warming is affecting the United States more than ever historically and um, uh, heightens the risk of future disasters uh, and everything um, having to do with the uh, subsequent effects of global global warming. Um, more and more uh, predicted impacts of global warming are now uh, becoming a reality, according to this report. Uh, there's a 2014 assessment um, that says that there will be tons of flooding in the coming years as um, sea levels rose. And um, now, uh, according to this report and according to what humans have been able to see, that is now no longer theoretical or hypothetical. It is real. It is existing. There are floods. It is all tied together with climate change and basically um, global warming. Um, global watering. Bum, 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 bum. Yeah, so... That's that's pretty much the assessment in itself. There's nothing totally breaking news in terms of the assessment, in my opinion, at least. Um, so that's pretty much all you need to know about the, that. I mean, the, it's a very long assessment. Um, but in turn, and it's it's like I don't. I mean, it's more of a long term, in my opinion, at least. It's more of a long term. Um, you know, thing that people need to kind of look at in the long term as opposed to worrying about it so frequently in the day-to-day um, um, kind of existence. And I think that it is not good for, um, at all, not good at all for uh, people to be politicizing the issue of climate change and the existence or lack of existence that will subsequently follow. Um, I think it is important for world leaders to deal with the issue of climate change because there's no uh, no one else is going to deal with it, but there's no reason to have a disagreement upon how to deal with it. It just basically is to, the, the agreement should be, um, you know, how people will save lives and prevent the world from basically killing the people who live on it. Um, not, and, and I mean, of course, there can be different arguments and ways of going about that, but there's no reason to, can, you know, make one, argue, one, one method liberal and one method conservative because, you know, there's really just no reason to do that. And that just pretty much, I mean, it makes for good television, but there's no reason to kind of procrastinate, in my opinion, especially having to do with um, existence and um, these 
per, the potential lack of existence um, caused directly by the planet. Uh, there's nothing really else I have to talk about today. It's a shorter episode today. It's about uh, 25 minutes. We'll probably hit that mark at the end. Um, that's all the stuff we have today. Oh, you know, I actually have to do the money report. Why am I closing off the show? Oh, I forgot about the money report. I will have to come back, come back to that music. I don't know what I was doing. I forgot. I was thinking it's Saturday, but we didn't get a check on it yesterday, uh, for the closing part because I broadcasted earlier. So that was that. Alright, so let's get a check here. Sorry, I muted my mic there for a second because I wanted to fix, I didn't want you to hear the... Uh, abhorrent things that would come out of my microphone. Everything is down today in the markets, uh, again, as we reported yesterday. Nothing seems to have been uh, rapidly changing, at least in relation to yesterday. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 0.73% at 24,285.95 points, down uh, 178.74 points. NASDAQ is down 0.48% at 6,938.98 points, down 33.27. And the S&P 500 is 0.66% down uh, at 2,632.56, down 17.37. Apple right now is right uh, here resting at 171.99 per share, down 2.71%. And um, in terms of the key statistics, key stats, uh, I'm sorry, key stats, I don't know, sorry. (laughs) Uh, The 10-year yield at 3.05%, down 0.01. Oil at 50.39, down 0.06. Yen is trading right now at 112.96, up 0.02. Euro is now worth that uh, one cent yet um less than it was yesterday and one dollar and thirteen cents down point five nine gold now twelve twenty three and forty similar to what it was yesterday the world markets Japan and Germany are both up and uh, Hong Kong and London are both down Japan up point sixty five percent at twenty one thousand six hundred forty six and fifty five up one thirty nine point ninety one and Germany at eleven ninety two point sixty nine up point forty nine percent and that is fifty four point forty six points up as well everything in terms of commodities is going well except for oil and corn today, uh, the gas right now is four dollars and thirty-one cents, up 0.02 percent. Gold at twelve twenty-three and forty, as I mentioned, and silver at fourteen twenty-six, up 0.12 percent from yesterday. Uh, corn three hundred seventy dollars and twenty-five cents, down 0.07 percent, and oil again down 0.06 percent at fifty thirty-nine. In terms of how everything's doing, the Nasdaq has actually gotten better over the course of the year, uh, at least in relation to what I reported on yesterday. It is up 0.52%. The Dow, uh, in terms of the whole year in 2018, is down uh, uh, 1.75%. The S&P 500 is down 1.54%. So, in in total, at least within the American soil, uh, the stocks are doing terrible at the moment, or at least um, not as good as they could be doing, but I guess if anything could be doing as well as it could be doing, then everything would be doing the best, right? Anyway... That's my philosophical discussion about existence and how good things could be doing. And that is the Money Report on the Jay Doherty Podcast. And that is the end of this episode of the Jay Doherty Podcast on Saturday, November 28, 2018. It is now 11.54 as I am broadcasting this episode right here on Saturday, November 24, 2018. We're closing out with an opening. We actually opened with a song as well. It's called DeZero. Or it's by DeZero. It's called Pirate. And it's from our wonderful content providers for music at VN. CM. We'll have it linked in the description of the specific song as well. We're closing here actually at the, the 2720 mark uh, as we close up this episode. We'll probably end it uh, right at 30. You can hear, hear the rest of this song. We've got about a minute left on the track. Thank you everyone for listening. It's 1154 as we close up the podcast. Thanks everyone watching on the live stream. I will see you tomorrow. Well, actually, I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm going to be doing an episode tomorrow. 
uh, but we'll see if we do one. If I do one, it'll be super early in the morning, uh, and I don't know if I'll be. I probably definitely will not be doing one on Monday, but maybe tomorrow. So stay tuned for that. Uh, this is the Jade Already Podcast, episode number forty-seven. Oh, 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 oh